Hey everybody, welcome to the what the fuck episode. It's the 68th episode of the JDO show. Holy cow. Well, welcome to it. It's just me here today. I tried to get uh, Rios de la Luz to do a joint podcast with me about our trip to Seoul, South Korea. But we've spent the past three days in kind of a weird... Well, we're just fucking jet-lagged is the thing. We're both incredibly uh, tired, and we're sleeping at these weird, irregular times, sometimes for, I don't know, like five hours at a time. It's really, really... It's been a weird, dreamlike fugue state that I've been in for the past few days. That has been kind of... um, I guess combined with a mild depression, because I really liked Korea. I really enjoyed uh, traveling, and I don't think our trip was long enough. Um, In fact, if I had it my way, I would probably just travel all the time. Which leads me to the topic that I kind of want to talk about today on the podcast, which is um, just the future and the directions that I'd like to go. I feel like for the past... um, I don't know, probably since I moved to Oregon. Oregon as a whole represents a really interesting period in my life. Um, There was a novel that I read called Normal by Warren Ellis, um, which I didn't care for. I don't think it's a particularly good book, but, but the book takes place in an internet rehab facility in the Pacific Northwest, in the woods of Oregon, actually. The book starts off with the main character landing in PDX Airport and being shuttled to a spot in the woods that is internet free. Um, The book has a lot of interesting ideas, so if you like the comic books of Warren Ellis, I would recommend checking it out. It just didn't entirely work for me. But anyway, reading that book was sort of symbolically interesting to me because I felt like it was sort of um, my own journey encapsulated in a small 120-page novella where... I feel like as soon as I moved here, I was in a kind of rehab. What I mean by that is I was separated from the people who I had grown up with. I was separated from my enablers uh, and the people whom I enabled. Um, I didn't really know anybody. I mean, I moved here with a few friends, but within, you know, the first six months of moving here, those friends had either moved away or become busy with their lives. I was essentially, um, besides a few people who I don't, you know, I don't want to neglect those people. Um, besides a few people, I was pretty much on my own, at least when compared to how it had been in Oklahoma, right? Because I had been in Oklahoma since the sixth grade with just a kind of brief detour to El Paso for a year. That was pretty much up to that point. I'd spent most of my life in the state of Oklahoma. And so I had therefore obviously built up a huge network of people that I left all behind. And then I, you know, I I go to Oregon and there really was this very strange unmoored type feeling where I didn't really know which way I was going to go. I didn't. I knew that I was moving away from Oklahoma because I wanted to change, but of course, hindsight being twenty twenty, and now with me preparing, it'll probably end up taking a year, but preparing to leave Oregon for a different spot, now I'm kind of in reflective mode, and I realized that I was moving there to become um, a different person. And as soon as I got there, uh, there being here, Oregon, 
I was sort of plunged into crisis, both with, uh, you know, Broken River, my own writing. It's, it's all been, the past two years at least, have all been dealing with crisis and changing. And so in many ways, that's what Oregon represents to me. And I think that's what it'll always represent to me is this, this changing, right? So I quit smoking. That was a big one. I cut back on drinking. I feel like I've become a more honest person. I pretty much to the point where I've almost fixed everything that's wrong with Broken River. I'm kind of starting a new trend with it. The past few books that I've put out have been completely author controlled with which what that means is you know I edit the book I pretty much do exactly what I've been doing okay hold on let me back up for a second let me kind of tell you about how super micro presses uh, do their thing so there's lightning source and there's create space those are the two main printers I think that most of these POD presses use lightning source costs a little bit of money and it can be sort of a pain in the ass it's what I used initially for the books but uh, I switched over to create space because it's free and I like free. So essentially what a press is doing, a, a micro a press with no money, is they are adding an aesthetic dimension to your book that wouldn't have been there if you were the only person who worked on it. So Broken River, for the most part, has just been me. I have hired out uh, people to edit different books at different periods of time, but for the most part, it's just me, and uh, and, and Matthew Rivera does all the covers, and I kind of go to him. We have a really, really good relationship. We've learned how to work with each other to kind of get what we want, and typically the author is, is really happy with their cover. Um, so anyway, so basically Broken River has turned into what most of these small presses uh, are, basically, which is... Uh, sort of an aesthetic prism through which people can view your work. I think that the one thing Broken River has done correctly is that people now uh, sort of understand what to expect when they see that little symbol. And I work on the books directly, and um, I commission the cover, but I don't do much financially, which is typically what a publisher does, hypothetically. The jury's sort of out on that, if even the big presses really do that. But that's certainly not what micro presses do. That's why they're micro. They don't have the money to do that. So I racked my brain for a very long time while I was here, um, basically about my role as, like, uh, basically as a publisher, right? A quote-unquote publisher. Like, what am I actually doing here? And I just felt that I would become a lot more comfortable if I put the financial, right, the, the money that's made directly into the hands of the author rather than having it filter through me. Number one, because I'm a terrible accountant, right? I just, I'm, I'm late all the time. I, I, I'm just being honest. Like, I suck at it, and it's not right, and it's not cool, you know, for people to have to, you know, wait on me to get my shit together so that they can, you know, get paid. So basically, the way that I see it is I turn it over to them, and this is a process that'll probably take until... Geez, probably like the end of 2018 to fully sort of implement because I have to sort of turn the books over to them. I have to kind of get everything. It's a it's a big project when you have, you know, 30 to 35 books uh, to kind of get this way. But basically, I had this idea that, you know, what if I do exactly what I do on Broken River? It doesn't mean that I promote it any more or any less. It doesn't mean that I put any less or any more work into the manuscript. What if I did exactly what I do? but I just give the author the money instead. And then what I tell them is you pay me if you're taken care of, right? Like 
we can still do the 50-50 split, because that's typically what it is, what these places do. They do like a 50-50 split. And um, if you feel like it, but I'm never going to ask them for the money, right? That's the kind of the, the vow, I guess, that I've taken on my end, is that I'll never ask, right? It's kind of up to them. And I also have to vow to like sort of like never care if they never pay me. Right. Because that's that's the risk that I'm taking. Some people that I've told this to have said, you are a trusting motherfucker. But it's not that I'm trusting. I 100 percent know that I'm going to get screwed doing this. It's just kind of the only way I can do this with a clean, clean conscience. And it's the only way that this will actually be fun to me, because I don't find it very fun to run a business. And your first thought with that might be like, oh, well, boo-hoo, you don't think it's fun to run a... Well, I mean, if I don't think it's fun, then I'm not going to do it. Or if I do it, it's going to be half-assed. And so this is the only real way. Now, what this doesn't mean, Broken River is not pay-to-play, right? Like, you can't pay me a certain amount of money for me to just slap the Broken River label on it and call it a Broken River book. That's not what we're doing. So it's still, you know, there's still a submission process and we still work together. And I select the books that I want to have on the press and I work with the author, and I edit, and I design the interior. I do all the work that I would do normally. The only thing that switched is just where the money goes initially. And so far, the people who I've worked on this with uh, have been pretty cool. They've been pretty straight up. They've been able to manage the money pretty well. And uh, But even if they didn't, it's like, I don't, I just don't care. I want to put that part out of my mind. I don't if, if, if we're going to be a micro press and it's going to be about aesthetics and it's going to be about making the best press that we possibly can, and I'm going to stand on my end of things and tell authors that they need to adjust their expectations with what they're going to get because we don't have the money, well, then I too, I've been saying that to people forever and I'm right, but I also need to adjust my expectations with what I think I'm supposed to be, you know, compensated for this thing. It can't be both ways. You know, I can't be some company that just takes from people and doesn't really give anything back right so in a sense i'm kind of um putting broken river into a into an almost i don't even know how to how to put it because there's no set schedule for when i get paid really it's whenever the author feels like it and so you know the the book doesn't make any money if the book just you know makes like let's say the book makes a hundred dollars and the author is $100 short on their rent that month, like that money goes to them, not me. And I'm cool with that. Like that's totally fine. Again, this is the only real way I can make it work because something had to give, right? Like so many of these small presses, like they, they're just, it's like penny pinching, but why? Like why would you keep like this small fraction of, this, of these people's money? You know, why would you like hoard it like you're, you're not providing any kind of valuable service. But I, you know what? I'm not, I'm going to catch myself before I go down that path because I'm really not interested in bad-mouthing other people. That's another thing that I'm trying to do, right? Is I'm trying to stop bad-mouthing other people and focus on me, focus on like what I can do better rather than focus on what's wrong with everybody around me. I just don't see very much value in nitpicking every little thing that I see wrong with the world it, it kind of, there's a lot wrong with the world. So, and there's an entire army of people on Twitter and Facebook who are more than happy to point that out to you whenever. So why would you add to the noise? There are people who get paid to do that. 
There are people who devote, way, in my opinion, way too much of their time to doing that. So why would you do it too? You don't need to. You don't need to be a pundit. Everybody doesn't need to be a pundit. Everybody doesn't need to be like trying to find what's wrong. And Oh, God, I, fa- I found something. Guys, guys, I found something. Twitter, look, look. I found somebody fucked up. Somebody did something wrong. So why? Just chill. Instead, just try to do something positive maybe, which is what I'm trying to do here. I guess that's a roundabout way of saying that's what I'm trying to do here. This is kind of my solve, I guess, for uh, the micropress problem. And it's that since we don't have money, and we probably won't have money, at least for the foreseeable future, uh, the best way to do it is to just uh, put the 100% of the royalties into the author's hand and then leave it up to them what happens with the money after that. And the idea is that how am I going to grow whatever? I mean, I, I have to leave it up to them. It's in their hands. I won't grow if they don't want me to grow, which is fine. But I have a feeling it'll work out. Maybe I am too trusting. I don't know. We'll see. We shall see. But I mean, if there's any criticisms in the way of, you know, that's, well, that's not a, that's not a publishing house then. Well, then fine. Then Broken River isn't a publishing house anymore. Maybe it's just a, a brand. I don't know. Maybe we need a new word for what I'm doing. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm not a publishing. I mean, I've look, look I'm not shitting on it. It's, it's about money, right? Like, in order to be a publishing house, you kind of need money. It's problematic, obviously, that only people who have money or who have access to money can do this thing. Of course, that's problematic. But it is what it is. I can't change the definition just because I don't like it. So, I mean, if that's what the definition is, then maybe that's not what Broken River is anymore. Maybe that's never what it was in the first place. Maybe the difficulties that I ran into were a result of me not recognizing what it was that I had in the first place. And maybe now I'm realizing that. And now we can go on, you know, to do fantastic things, really cool shit, stuff that I'm excited about, right? It's like a weight lifted off my shoulders. It's like, oh, I don't have to worry about this. I can just make cool books now with people who want to make cool books. It's like, that's the whole point, right? And that's kind of where I'm at with uh, with writing too, you know? I, I just... I keep, I, okay, I'm trying desperately to not use the phrase I don't care because people tend to take that in a really, really wrong way because the connotation of I don't care is mostly negative. You know, when you hear people say, you know, I don't care, it typically denotes that they actually feel contempt for the thing that they're talking about. And there's zero contempt for me for writing or publishing or any of that kind of shit. It's just, it's more one of those things. The th- okay, here's how I'll frame it. I'll frame it in a positive light. I care about writing cool books and publishing, if that's the word. For, for the sake of, of ease, let's just keep going with the word publishing and publishing cool books. I, I care about that. Um, and the rest of the stuff I don't care about. It gets to be a, a little bit tricky working with writers. Uh, Dave Keaton likes to give me a hard time when I say stuff like this. He's he's like, it's, oh, it's always nice to hear uh, your publishers say that he doesn't give a shit whether or not a book sells. Uh, and Keaton has a, a point there. But I have to be honest, I just, I really don't. And it's a rough conversation to have sometimes with some authors. And I, I used to feel bad, but I don't really anymore. Where it's, you know, if they tell me... I don't know. I kind of, 
it, it, it broke for me when I put a, a ton of money and a ton of time into a certain book and the book came out and it was selling what I thought was, was pretty good. And I, I went to go tell the author and the author was kind of grouchy and grumbly about it. And I looked back at all the time I had spent and the amount of stress that I, you know, I, like the hours I had spent in the shower, just stressed about the amount of money I spent. Cause it was a book where I had hired somebody else to, to edit it, you know, the, and I went and told them and they were like, yeah, but we don't have any reviews. So hmm, whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. And I like, I sort of like, I just sort of washed my hands at that point, <laughs> you know, like I was like, okay, I see how it's going to be. Like we're, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do that. Huh? Okay. Well, if that's the case, then you know what, guys? Like, I just, I really don't care anymore. Let's just make cool books. Let's make cool books. If that's your goal, come work with me over here at Broken River. If you're trying to sell a million copies, I don't know, go do something else. God bless you. I love you to death, but it's just not really, it's not really what I'm into now. I mean, if you want to make money, I'm getting really into uh, trying to understand like blockchain and cryptocurrency and things of that nature. Uh, I'm trying to understand investing. I, I got a day job and I'm working on how to how to work with my money to grow my money. Um, but I'm, I'm not making the mistake that as a broke person who has nothing really to offer the mainstream as far as this kind of stories I want to tell. I have no illusions that money is going to come from writing. And so once I disabuse myself of those illusions about money coming in, it it's such a... I might write a book about this. It's just so freeing. You know what I mean? There's so much freedom in I don't care. There's so much freedom in doing the best that you can and enjoying the act of creation itself. And I think a lot of people might say that that's what they get out of it, but I really do think that deep down, we still harbor this want to be accepted and praised and loved and lifted up and considered a success because I think we don't want anybody to tell us that they told us so. You know, when we initially got into it and everybody told us that, you know, being an artist, there was no money in it uh, and that we'd end up broke and that we'd eventually come back to the fold. I think a lot of us took that as a challenge and I think a lot of us got really stubborn with it. We didn't want to go, we just, we see the face of that authority figure telling us, I told you so. I told you you'd be back. I told you you couldn't make money at this thing. But the problem with that is that if we measure our success based on whether or not we beat that authority figure, we're already playing the games on that authority figure's terms. If that authority figure says, I told you so, I told you you'd be back, but you're completely outside of that person's worldview and their paradigm, then it wouldn't bother you at all anyway. You'd say, back? I don't really understand what you mean. Like, if you don't consider yourself a failure at something, then you're not. But a lot of us are stubborn. And a lot of us still have that outward force, that voice that's telling us you're going to be a failure. We told you 98% of people who enter into this field, this writing field, fail at it. And when we heard that, what did we all think? We all thought, well, not me. I'm part of that 2%. I'm, I'm special. We grew up on stories where, you know, some regular kid finds out that he's a wizard. You think that doesn't infect our brains just a little bit? Of course it does. So we thought that we were the special ones. We thought that we were the ones who could quote unquote make it. But what I'm here to tell you 
is that there is no real making it. Making it, quote unquote, doesn't have any kind of effect on your happiness one way or the other. There are people who have made it, who are happy, and there are people who have made it who are unhappy. And there are people who have not made it who are unhappy. And there are people who have not made it who are happy. And I think that the happy people on both sides have one thing in common, which is they don't put skin in the game in terms of, of, of actually caring whether things work or not. Think of it as a game. That's a good way to think of it. Because what I'm also saying, like the, the number one criticism I get when I start talking about this is, is what, so we're just not supposed to do anything at all? No, of course you are. So think of it like a game. But how passionate do you get about playing Monopoly? I mean, you know the rules, you put in time and effort to do the things that you can to win the game. But if you lose the game, is your identity crushed? Is, you know, do you mope? Do you get depressed? If you do, you might have a fucking problem. So that's kind of what I'm saying. I mean, I'm saying there are definitely rules and you can definitely learn by them and you can definitely play them. And frankly, I think it's kind of fun. I like finding out what works. I like talking to, you know, Jeremy Johnson about like different strategies that we've used to get books in front of people. Um, I like experimenting and seeing some things work and some things not like that's all fun for me. I guess what I'm trying to say and what I hope for you uh, and the impression that I do not get from a majority of you, no matter how much you tell me otherwise, is just that you kind of separate yourself from the outcome, right? Just, uh, just stop caring. I feel like I'm the only one sometimes who says this kind of shit because we all get very, very protective. Once I start talking about this, there's 8 million different excuses people have about how that's not them. It's really funny to me that when I say things like this, apparently nobody else thinks this way. All of a sudden, nobody's like this. Oh, phew. well, no, of course. No, it's not me. That's, that's not me at all. <laughs> that's you, Dave. That's pretty much how I spend my entire life is saying things that deep down I know you're fucking thinking, but then you turn around and say, man, David, phew, he's got some issues, man. He, he, he talks crazy shit, but that's certainly not me. <laughs> I don't, I don't really, I'm a pretty easygoing guy, right? And then wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop, stop. Pump the brakes, pump the brakes here. Let's talk about something different. Let's talk instead. Let's talk about what it might look like to be satisfied. Now, I think human beings are designed to probably never be fully satisfied. It's a game that we're constantly playing with ourselves. But what I want, what I basically sat down and sort of sketched out was what does my ideal future look like? Really, you know, outside of any of the bullshit, what, what does it look like? What does my perfect scenario look like? And... So here's what it looks like for me, and it might be different for you, but I think that I think that instead of thinking about what we uh, don't, there's a there's a oh, by the way this is this is my time to do my I feel like I've talked about this person a lot and posted about him a lot on social media, but Connor Habib, this dude is an incredible thinker, somebody who I really I actually go to his Twitter often just to see like what his thoughts about random shit are, which is unique in that I don't do that for pretty much anybody else. Uh, he started a Patreon recently to do a web series called Against Everyone. The first episode is up on YouTube. It's fantastic. It has my absolute 100% highest recommendation. But this is something that he talks about a lot, um, which is what does it look like 
what instead of looking at your life through what you are against or what you are uh, resisting, think about your life in terms of what of what it would look like if you had exactly what you want. I don't think that we really allow ourselves to do this kind of utopian thinking because the media has pretty much brainwashed us into thinking that everything is terrible. Remember, this is the story that we've that we know we know deep down, but we keep forgetting it because the media gets more and more creative with different sundry ways to trick us into thinking that it matters again. None of that shit fucking matters. They make money based on you being panicked, you being afraid. That's the long and short of it. I don't necessarily even blame them because it's really hard to fucking make money off of, you know, sunshine and rainbows and shit. People don't tend to gravitate towards that. They gravitate towards the panic. They want to be in a constant state of alarm and negativity and everything's on fire and the ice caps are melting and Donald Trump is president and everything's falling apart. Nobody wants to do the radical, in my opinion, radical act of actually wholesale rejecting that worldview and instead looking at what we can become, what we can do. So I started looking at myself and I thought, what do I want to become? What do I want to be? One of those things was, you know, I want to be a healthy person. So I quit smoking and I started exercising and I'm desperately trying to eat healthy. It's You find how difficult it is to eat healthy uh, as soon as you make the effort to do so. When you can go to Taco Bell and get a fucking Taco Supreme for $1.29, but you're like, God damn it, I really don't want to do that. I want to go buy some, you know, some chicken breast that doesn't have, isn't pumped full of antibiotics, and you go to the grocery store, and it costs like $8 for three, you know, cut chicken breasts, and I could have just spent, you know, $3 on Taco Bell. Anyway, so I wanted to be healthy, so I started making strides towards being healthy. I wanted to read more. I wanted to get better at reading. I don't think I was as good of a reader as I thought I was. So I made an, I went out and I got myself a Kindle, like a real good Kindle, and now I'm reading again. I'm making an effort to read. I wanted to be somebody who meditated. I wanted to be mentally healthy. So I started a meditation regimen. Even goofy things that are a little bit embarrassing, vain things, it's, I wanted the quality of my skin to look better on my face because I kind of have, I have sort of bad skin um, and that's sort of my own little vanity thing. So I bought face masks and I, I have a whole regimen now where I scrub my face with this pumice stone that I got at Lush and then I put snail juice on it and all kind of, Rios helps me out with it but I want to have nice skin like I want I want to be somebody whose face is pleasing to look at um and when it comes to books finally to loop back around I want to be somebody who writes books that I want to write and there was a real push and pull on that for a long time I went back and forth do I want to be the kind of person who writes entertaining books that a bunch of people like or do I want to write the books that I want to write and I finally came to the conclusion I want to write the books that I want to write in whatever capacity that means, whether it's publishing my, them myself, which is what I do now, or through a publisher who will let me do what I want to do. Um, but I'm, I have to be 100% completely uncompromising with that. That's what I want. I want to write the books that I want to write. 
um, with Broken River. I want to put out the books that I think are cool. I want to show them to as many people as I possibly can and say, hey, look at this cool thing. The things that I do not want. Um, I don't want a shit ton of money from my art, really. Whether if that does happen, I'm not going to push it away because I'd have to be insane to do that. But it's not like my goal. Uh, Starting Broken River initially, I just wanted to be able to make a living off of art, and I realized what a mistake that was. I don't want to mix those two things up. I think I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I'm discovering how money works, and I'm starting to become an active adult with how I deal with money and how I grow money. So I have to separate that from the art completely. Um at least separate it in terms of my goals, right? My, my goal is no longer to make a bunch of money with, um, with the art. So anyway, so like that's what my future looks like in terms of that. Now, when it comes to the writing community, what does my ideal future look like? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that I don't really like fucking with it at all. Um, and the lesson that I keep having people sort of bring me back to is, well, that's tough shit, David. You have to network you have to deal with people that you might not like um and frankly i mean i just that's it's all said with the hope that they might throw you a fucking crumb or they might you know not do what literally everybody does which is pull the ladder up after themselves right it doesn't i don't know i like the people who i like and i've made some pretty kick-ass friends there are people who are not shitty in the book world and I would just prefer to spend time with them. And I don't think I have to pretend to like people just out of the hope that they'll give me something. That seems really dishonest. And it seems like uh, not my happiest, you know, again, we're thinking utopian here. Like, like what, what would your happiest self be? Well, my happiest self would be not dealing with people I don't want to deal with. Boom, right there. This is the thing you run into, right? When you do this kind of stuff, immediately your brain starts thinking, well, that's not realistic. That's not realistic. Okay, well, fine. It's not realistic, but but go with it, right? Social media. How do I want to deal with social? I don't want to be on it. I don't like it. I want to use it in terms of being able to tell people about stuff, but I don't, you know, I've been putting a lot of posts up on Facebook and then pretty much deleting them 15 minutes later. And it's not because... I don't want people to know my thoughts. It's because I really, really don't like the format. It's not even that I don't like the people necessarily. I just don't like the format. I don't like the fact that when I have Facebook open, if I make a post, you know, no matter what I'm doing, like it happened in the middle of this recording, I had to go log out of Facebook because a message that somebody had sent me a message popped up over my recording software to let me know. And I'm not playing that shit. Fuck no. I'm not doing anything. I'm I'm very anti-addiction. And I don't I know for a fact that I'm addicted to social media. The same way um people in what Alcoholics Anonymous say that you're always an addict. That's probably a good way to think of social media, which I can't help it. I'm gonna add another little dig in. The same way people act like I'm crazy when I talk about <laughs> about books and you know not caring and things like that and how that oh that's not me at all that's not me i'm totally that's also what happens with social media oh i don't have a i don't have a problem i just i just use it 
And those same people are on this thing all the time. Frankly, like if you're on this thing for more than 30 minutes a day, that's a fucking problem because it's a waste of time. You can say everything you need to say in 30 minutes. You can interact with people in 30 minutes. Past 30 minutes, that is entirely too much time. I'm calling it. I'm saying it. I'm being judgmental. I know. I'm sorry. But more than 30 minutes, you have a fucking problem. You need to put the fucking computer down and go do something of substance. Sorry. I apologize. I don't mean to tell you what to do, but I do kind of. So anyway, so my ideal looks like not having to be on Facebook, not posting on Facebook all the time, not even really blogging. I don't really want to do any of that. You know, I just kind of want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Is that crazy? That might be crazy. I don't know. Same thing with the podcast. It's like, how long is this podcast going to go on? I don't know until I don't want to do it anymore. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, it's getting back to the point now where I kind of want to have guests on again. I was sort of tired of talking to different guests um that I didn't know so I took a break from that for a while and you know had Keaton on had a really great conversation with Bud Smith and Joey Grantham that I want to do way more of but it's just it's more about like finding out the stuff that works with the podcast and then doing more of that so I want to do more episodes with Bud and Joey like there might be like two or three Bud and Joey episodes in a row if they'll make time for me and then there'll be a whole bunch more of me and Dave talking about movies And then, you know, when I feel like it, I'll talk to a new person. But you see what I'm saying? It's just, it's all about, there's no reason why we can't just do the things that we want to do when we want to do them and be happy with that. Right? There's no reason we can't live our own ideal lives. And that's what I think I've learned over my rehab in Oregon. I felt a lot of responsibility uh, to a bunch of people and to myself to be this thing that, frankly, deep down, I just didn't really want to be. I just wanted to, I just want to do what's entertaining to me. I like, I get pleasure out of reading. I get pleasure out of writing. I get pleasure out of podcasting. And I think that I'm going to start fighting viciously against anything that would dare to take that pleasure away from me because you know what, folks? Life is pretty difficult. It's pretty goddamn hard. Most of us have jobs right now that we'd rather not be in. We have to do stuff that we'd rather not do in order to survive because we live in a country, you know, and this is obviously we're moving off the whole utopian track here back to reality. But we we do. We live in a country where you have to make money just to go to the hospital. You have to make money just to be able to eat and to have a roof over your head. How fucking insane is that? It's absolutely bonkers crazy. But that's the world that we live in. So being that that's the world that we live in, we have to protect the things that bring us pleasure fiercely. We have to say fuck you to anybody who would even think for a second about taking away our happiness in any way, shape, or form. And you know what? Writing brings me happiness. Reading brings me happiness. Podcasting brings me happiness. Hanging out with my friends drinking a beer with the boys or girls, whatever, traveling, all that brings me happiness. And fuck whoever might take that away from me. Fuck whoever or whatever system might try to turn that into a job or might try to turn that into, you know, something that is sapped of all joy and pleasure and turns me bitter. I refuse. I 100% refuse to do that. And uh, I don't know. Maybe you will too. Maybe maybe that's a good takeaway, right? Just think about 
Think about what you, what would bring you joy. Like no matter what that is. You know, if you if your thing that brought you joy, if your thing that brought you joy was, you know, I don't know, whatever your particular thing is. I'm not going to think of a particular example here, but you know, whatever your thing is that makes you happy, that brings you joy, why not picture the world where that is the, you know, the majority of the thing that you do. Again, I 100% Recommend going and listening to uh, the first episode of Connor Habib's Against Everyone. He really, really articulates this idea. And I think when he articulated that idea, he was saying something that I'd been working towards but couldn't really uh, put forth for myself. So I'm very, very grateful to that episode. I feel like everybody should go listen to it. Um, And I feel like you should uh, pursue things that make you happy. I know, you know, that's... Not really a super radical idea, but, you know, maybe it is in this day and age. But on that note, I hope your day is swell. Uh, I'm really going to try to get Rios to sit down with me and do a soul episode so we can talk about all the fun experiences we had. I've written a few things on Facebook about it, but it it doesn't really come through. I'm not a particularly good travel writer, uh, so I mostly just talk about the fact that I, like, I saw people eating octopus and I got grossed out. I saw uh, funny things in the subway. It really doesn't capture even really the fact that I had a good time in Seoul, let alone a great time, a good enough time that I really want to probably move there for a bit to teach English. So hopefully I can get her on so we can talk about that. Dave and I are going to talk about Wonder Woman and the movies that I watched on the plane and probably a bunch of other shit. Um, like I said, I'm going to try to get Bud and Joey back because I just like doing those podcasts. Also, a fellow named Brian Allen Ellis sent me his books to read and I, I got a kick out of them. So I want to talk to him. So I'm going to hit him up and see if we can schedule a time to talk about that. So there's a bunch of new podcasts coming. I'll probably do a few more ramble episodes. Um, there are a few things on my mind that I want to talk about. I know that you guys enjoy these. So, uh, yeah, there's the future for the podcast. I mean, I just named like three things there. So there's at least three more episodes, but probably a lot more because I enjoy doing this, uh, brief note. If you do like this and you would like to support the podcast, it's 100% listener supported. So there is a Patreon. If you want to toss me a couple bucks, that's cool. If not, whatever. Um, of course, you know, this entire podcast is about how I'm not going to uh, focus on making money from the things that I pursue, but that doesn't mean I can't put out a little, uh, uh, what do you call that, donation jar or a tip jar or whatever. So hey, you know, if you dig it and you want to throw a buck my way, that's fine. You're not going to hurt my feelings if you don't. Uh, If you're somebody who likes to consume a lot of art and not pay for any of it, you might want to reevaluate your life though, just throwing that out there. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening, uh, and I will see you next time.